We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March has arrived, and we're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yeah, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get into their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, $100,000 March 15th. You don't need to be a hardcore to get on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA, the XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and our exclusive partner on this podcast, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast post-game edition. I'm your host, Jacob. Uh, Nick was actually supposed to join me tonight live from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Unfortunately, he did not have his recording, his podcast recording gear and we tried to do it via cell phone and just the quality was way below what we're used to and what you guys are used to and we didn't want to really shortchange you guys on our audio quality because that's something we kind of pride ourselves on. So... It's just going to be a solo podcast with yours truly tonight, breaking down this Thunder win in New York, 126 to 103 over the Knicks. Uh, before I dive in any deeper, just want to quick take a quick moment, shout out our podcast network, Blue Wire Pods. 
you guys hear it on every one of our podcasts, but we're super proud to be part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Tons of great podcasts covering all the different teams in the NBA, almost every team in the NFL, uh, branching out into other sports as well. So check out at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter and find yourself a new weekly uh, or daily podcast to listen to uh, over whatever sport you enjoy. Uh, Blue Wire is an awesome podcast network. And also make sure to check out betonline.ag. So guys, let's dive into this one. The Thunder really just run away from this one with the Knicks, 126 to 103 in Madison Square Garden. Like I said, Nick Crane uh, is in Madison Square Garden tonight. He covered the game. Uh, really wish he could have been on the pod because he had some awesome things just to talk about as far as just experiencing MSG, right? It, it's the, called the Mecca of basketball for a reason. And so he, he got to interview some of the players. Uh, he got to experience the game live. And, and so I really was wanting to get him on. So, so shout out to Nick though. Uh, he does a great job and, and I'm glad that he was able to post some stuff on the, on the uncontested Twitter and the Instagram and stuff tonight. This game, really there's some, some major themes to this game that I think just kind of describe the game overall. Uh, so I want to dive into some of those. I want to dive into some individual performances and some themes we're seeing from some of these players. Uh, take your Twitter questions and then give a play of the game and then we'll call it a night. First up, the New York Knicks, not good at shooting the basketball. That might be an understatement, but holy crap. The Knicks shot 4 of 24 from the three-point line tonight. That's good for 17%. They shot 45% from the field. They were actually pretty efficient from two. But 17% from the three-point line. At the end of the first half, they were like 0 of 9. Just abysmal. They don't. That's their starting lineup: R.J. Barrett, Alfred Payton, Taj Gibson, Mo Harkless, Julius Randle. Just none of those guys can shoot the three. Their starting lineup combined took seven three-point attempts. Just a, a complete and total lack of spacing offensively, uh, which makes them relatively easy to guard. You don't have to to worry about multiple actions. You don't have to worry about um, guys shooting. You you can shrink the court that way. And and the Thunder struggled early because the Knicks kind of bullied them inside early. But after about the first six or seven minutes of the first quarter, uh, that ended, and then the Knicks couldn't really score the ball anywhere else. The Knicks uh, points by quarter tonight, 20, 28, 30, and 25. Uh, that 30, uh, kind of an eyesore for the Thunder. But besides that, I mean... The Thunder played great defense. Part of it is because the Thunder did play good defense. The other part of it is just it's the freaking Knicks, right? So the Knicks just unable to shoot. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to hydrate while we're recording this podcast. The Knicks just unable to convert any points tonight. Um, r- really just it's bad. <laughs> I, I mean, there's no other way around it. We've known it's bad. Um, the, the roster itself is flawed. The front office, uh, has turnover year after year. The ownership is a joke. Just, it sucks for New York basketball, but Hey, it worked for the thunder tonight. So another theme I wanted to talk about, uh, I'm, and I'm kind of flipping my roles here. Typically I talk about players and then themes. So we're switching it up. Another theme for the thunder, their ball movement this season. And then I thought it was really on display tonight. Just phenomenal. Right, they're they are moving the ball. We are really seeing a Billy Donovan team right now. Uh, 
and and tonight, I don't know, just one play that really encapsulated it for me, and this might be my play of the game, actually. There was a play there in the, I believe it was in the third quarter, where Adams had the, I think it was Adams had the ball at the top of the key, passed to Gallo, who cut down the lane, and was met with resistance when he got right below the, the free throw line and turned and kind of did like a mini post up and took a dribble. And Lou Dort just knew instinctively that once Gallo drove, Lou needed to cut to the rim because Lou's man started looking at the ball going to the basket that Gallo had. So Lou cut, uh, Gallo drops him a nice little pass, and Lou catches it uh, kind of uncontested, goes up uncontested. See what I did there? Uh, goes up for a dunk, and I mean it was just a beautiful bang, bang, bang play where the ball just moves around. Nobody's worried about a statistic or an assist or who gets the basket. It was just pure basketball. And I know that sounds like such an elitist thing to say. Nobody cares. It's just pure basketball, like whatever, right? But just the way they're playing, uh, they're sharing the ball. They're sharing the load. This team had 26 assists tonight on 47 made baskets. Now, that's not some world-breaking stat. You know, that's not like, oh, my God, they assisted on 90% of their basket. I mean, it's a little over 50%. It's probably around 60%. But the idea is they're moving the ball, they're making the right play, the ball rarely sticks, and it comes from the top down. You know, I, I think this ball movement, that what we saw tonight, we started seeing the beginnings of it back in Detroit. I mean, with the game kind of on the line in Detroit, Chris Paul has the ball in his hands, and instead of taking a shot, makes the correct pass over to a wide-open Danilo Gallinari for three, he sticks it, the Thunder win. In the past... A Thunder point guard would not have looked to pass that ball. They would have shot it, right? And and you guys know how much I love Russell Westbrook, but you also know that's the truth, right? We always used to joke about Thunder's end-of-game like plays because it seemed like it was just pass to Russ and take a 30-footer. This team really trusts one another. They move the ball, and I think that was on full display tonight, and so it's a really positive thing to see. Besides the 26 assists kind of showing that the ball is moving. Uh, when you look down the list of who's getting assists, all five starters and then four bench players registered assists. So nine players registered assists tonight. Schroeder got three. Ferg got one. Nader got one. Um, Lou Dort got one. Shea got five. Paul got 12. Adams got one. Gallo got two. So they're moving the ball. Uh, everybody is chipping in. It's not like somebody is dominating the ball and dishing it off to other people. It's like collaborative democratic basketball. Also, and these two themes kind of go together. Once again, the Thunder have six players in double figures, six players in double figures, and then two players that were one basket away from double figures. Nerlens Noel had eight. Nader had nine. Lou Dort had six. He was two baskets away from getting into double figures. Besides that, uh, Diallo with 12, Schroeder with 16, Shea with 18, uh, Chris Paul with 21, Adams with 12, and Gallo with 22. So the, the wealth is being shared, right? It, it, it's not overwhelmingly going to one person. Whenever teams play like that, they're hard to beat because you don't know like where the points are coming from. That There's no like central f- point of attack. There's no central focus for a defense like there was in the past. It's really fun to watch, and it really feels like a breath of fresh air. And, and so, I don't know, just 
it felt like tonight was really an example. And maybe it's just because it's the Knicks and the Knicks suck, right? And, and their defense isn't any good. Their offense isn't any good. Their their everything isn't very good. But it, it just seemed like the, the Thunder's offense really got into a groove tonight. Uh, they got into a groove against Detroit as well. It probably helps when you're not playing the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers, who are just like insanely good. So I'll be interested to see how the offense continues to work Sunday night against Boston because Boston is a very good team. They have good defenders. They have a lot of length. So we'll kind of see how that continues moving into Boston. Um, Are they able to keep this offensive flow going or does it wane again like it did against some of the other elites of the league? Now, the Thunder offense wasn't clicking early tonight. They struggled early. It was ugly, and it was at a snail's pace. It felt like this game was so slow and so boring early on. About the first five or six minutes of the first half of the first quarter, it just drug. Like I tweeted out the 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 gif um, from Zootopia with the sloth where he like goes to stamp and he just goes so slow. Like it it was it was bad, and you you saw Chris Paul really trying to push the pace, get the Thunder to get up the court quickly. There was a play early on where Chris was yelling at them to push the pace. And after a made basket, the Thunder just inbounded it, kicked it up to Lou Dort, and Lou just ran past everybody and had like a hanging layup over Julius Randle. Like they were trying to get the ball and move quickly, which hasn't really been a Thunder theme this year. They don't really play in transition very much. Seems like they tried to push it a lot tonight. So um, I don't know. The, The offense just looks really good. I'm really excited about that. Some individual players that I wanted to talk about real quick. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 22 minutes tonight. He averages 35 minutes a game. Tonight only gets 22 minutes. It's not a bad thing. He got in some foul trouble early. He had two fouls early in the first quarter, maybe about four minutes in, five minutes in. He had two fouls, went and sat for a while, and didn't come back in. Uh, I can't remember if he had any points in his initial stretch from the start of the game. But he went into halftime 4 of 4 from the field for 11 points. He ends the game with 18 points on 6 of 10 shooting. The second consecutive game, he has just been very efficient from the field. And it's very encouraging to see from Shea. I, I, I don't know this for sure. And maybe it's just because I watch every Thunder game. So it's hard for me to see uh, massive changes game by game. And, and it's a lot easier to see them over a more broad stretch of time. But it just seems like the game has really slowed down for Shea. He's getting into his moves a lot easier. He's reading the defense uh, much more efficiently. He's getting to that step back three a lot better. He had this really simple play tonight in the third quarter where he was on the left baseline uh, at the three-point line. Uh, he he had kind of driven in from the, the wing uh, off an Adam screen and then like he pulled back out and he backed up and then he reattacked down the baseline and without ever putting both hands on the ball just off the dribble he kind of had this hook pass over his head to to Steven Adams who was kind of on the edge of the lane uh, who caught it and just put up a little floater and it went in and it, it looked so eerily similar to Chris Paul to me and in the fact that while watching it you knew exactly what Shea was looking for. He was looking for that pass to Adams. And so he manipulated the defense to get it where he wanted it and just made the move that he needed to make. You know, it it wasn't like a, I'm going to do something, 
see what the defense does and then react to that. It was more of a, I can see three steps ahead now. I know what's going to happen. I need to back this out and then attack the baseline to make this defender rotate over to protect the rim, which is going to open up Steven for this little uh, hook pass so he can float it in. It's... It's really like a mental game. It's like a game of chess. And Chris Paul is the chess master. And then his protege, it really seems like he's starting to pick those things up. And it just seems like Shea is playing two or three steps ahead now. He's he's not rushing things. He's playing at his own pace. It's really, really encouraging. Uh, like, I'm, I'm just... I think the sky's the limit for this kid, guys. I really do. I'm really excited. I know we talk about Shea Gilgis-Alexander to death. You know, we, we just talk so much about this kid, but there's a lot to talk about. You know, I don't think we've podcasted since. ESPN dropped their top 25 players under 25. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is tied for 10th with Devin Booker, which is also crazy to think Devin Booker is still under 25 years old. He's been in the league since like 1990. Shea is tied for 10th out of players that are the the top 25 who are under 25 years old. Uh, Mike Schmitz in that, who does draft coverage for ESPN, used to do, well, I guess technically still Draft Express, had Shea as high as fifth in the top 25 under 25. This kid, just just the physical tools, the IQ, the everything, I, I think in 15 years when Shea is getting out of the league, he is going to be talking about how big of an impact Chris Paul had on him and, and the player that he became. I, I just, I really think we're watching something special with that relationship here. And so that's really exciting. Speaking of that relationship, Chris Paul, the, the, the master of that relationship, the Yoda to that relationship, uh, just had a hell of a game. 21 points, 8 of 13 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. He had 12 assists and 3 steals and 3 rebounds. Chris was just on fire tonight. He he kind of really forced the 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 Thunder offense early with a couple of threes, really got them moving, got them in a groove. And post-game tonight, he said, hey, I told these guys we have 20 more practices, 20 more exhibitions until the playoffs. Like, he's got them thinking these games are the games where we build the habits going into the games that matter, which is the postseason. And it's just, it's so awesome to have that leadership on the team. Not only to have that leadership, but also have him just be a really damn good player as well. Chris has been phenomenal, and and he proved that again tonight. Uh, I think some people might want to extrapolate. Chris had a lot of high praise for New York City and Madison Square Garden and the fans tonight. Said he hasn't played there in three years because of injury. So he was really excited to get to play there tonight. And I, I think people are going to want to extrapolate from that that uh, that Ian Bagley report that the Knicks have been monitoring Chris Paul and plan to to pursue him and trade this summer. So, oh, Chris Paul heard about that, so now he's going to talk up New York so so he can get the fans real excited and and make that trade happen. I don't think you can connect the dots there, right? I, I think Chris has bought into what he's doing right now, but. It, it is just kind of interesting, you know, that that report comes out just a couple of days before the Thunder are in New York City. And we'll really break that down on our weekly podcast coming up on Sunday night slash Monday morning. We typically drop them about 11 o'clock or midnight on Sunday night. We'll talk a lot about that Chris Paul stuff. So make sure you subscribe here to The Uncontested wherever you get your podcasts at. 
That way you can hear that conversation on Sunday because uh, it should be a good one. We'll have the whole squad together and we'll talk about Chris Paul to New York and, and some of those options. But Chris Paul just had a great night tonight. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about, so like Nerlens had a wonderful night. I'm not going to really go in depth on that. Just Nerlens played great. Uh, Gallo continues to just be awesome. He shoots over 50% from the floor for 22 points. The, the, the one that I really want to focus on in this postgame, though, is Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo. Because the minute distribution tonight, Ferguson got 11 minutes, Diallo got 26. That's a pretty big gap for Diallo, who hasn't really been logging a lot of minutes, and Ferguson's been the guy off the bench. Now, postgame, Billy Donovan chalked this up to the Thunder just needing size against a big New York team, and he was worried about guys like Bobby Portis and Julius Randle playing with that second unit and the Thunder lacking size with no Darius Baisley. So he wanted to give Diallo a chance at the four tonight. Uh, Diallo had 12 points, four rebounds, a block, and a plus 14 on the night. Shot five of eight from the field, had two massive dunks, and just played a great overall game. Ferguson played 11 minutes, went 0 of 2 from the field, had a rebound and an assist, and no points. And Diallo, you, you just you always know when he's on the court. There's never a moment when Diallo's on the court and you're like, oh, I didn't really notice him. You always notice Diallo out there. Where Ferguson, I think, doesn't want to be noticed. And that's a problem right now. I'm curious as to if Diallo is going to continue pulling those minutes. Uh, going into Boston, Boston plays big wings. They play Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Shemi Ojale, Gordon Hayward. It stands to reason that Diallo might be a good bet to get some minutes in that Boston game as well. So I, you know, Billy just chalked this up to, he said, you know, you can't play everyone all the time. And so I credit Hami for always being ready and, and, and being prepared and, and going in and giving it his all and giving us high energy, yada, yada, yada. But I just wonder if, if we're starting to see a little bit of a changing of the guard here. And, and that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. Uh, so I'm going to hop into some Twitter questions. I say this every time I do a post-game podcast, but I absolutely love answering Twitter questions. Thank you guys so much for sending them in. It's my favorite part of my post-game podcast. Love interacting with you guys on Twitter. Love, love it when you send questions in. Keep doing that. If you haven't, feel free to send them in because we'll answer them. Uh, first one tonight comes from uh, my BFF and co-host of the podcast, Kamiar, uh, from at K Marabian CCM, uh, who has had the flu and has been a DNP for the uncontested for quite a while now. I think he's finally feeling better, so that's good. He's not throwing his guts up anymore, so so I'm glad you're feeling better, better Kamiar. He asks, Knicks were four from 24 from three. Are you taking those odds for birth control or no? Uh, probably no. That's a little too efficient for me. And knowing my luck, I would that I would hit one of those. So I'm gonna be a solid no on that one, Kamiar. Uh, if anyone should not have a child, it's probably me. Our next one comes from at Jared Fergie. He asks, "What is the first thing you would do if you were given complete control over the New York Knicks organization?" That is a great question. If I had complete control, uh, total autonomy over that that organization, James Dolan would never be seen or heard from again. He's gone. We're getting rid of him. He is an idiot. He needs to go. Um, I would then 
tell the front office that they've just hired. They've hired a new GM and, and new front office people for like the, the fifth time in five years or whatever, right? Because it's so dysfunctional. We're doing a rebuild. Tear it down. We don't need Bobby Portis on this team for however much he's making. We don't need uh, Julius Randle on this team for $18 million. We don't need Alfred Payton on this team. We don't need uh, Taj Gibson on this. We don't, we don't need these guys. Trade them off. Get assets, whatever. Start the rebuild. Because in a market like New York, if you do things right, the stars will come. Look at the Nets. The Nets did things right for like three years. And then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came knocking and asked to play for them. Like New York is the biggest franchise in the league. They're bigger than the Lakers. If you do things right, they'll come. The stars will come. They want to play in Madison Square Garden. You just got to do stuff right. You have to be competent, and they are not competent right now. I would fire everybody. I would restart it all from scratch. We're rebuilding, and then in three or four years, we're going to have a really solid team that's making deep playoff runs because all you have to do is not F it up. Literally, just don't shit on yourself, and you're fine, and the Knicks cannot prevent that from happening right now. It's it's mind-boggling. From at Black Dolphin 5, uh, is Hami going to keep getting Ferg's minutes? Uh, that's a great question. I, I already touched on that a little bit. Um, I don't know. Remains to be seen, but I think there's a there's a possibility. I, I, I'm feeling a little more confident in that. Um, another question from at Black Dolphin 5 is, how are the players going to react to an empty arena if it gets to that point? So this question is in reference to, if you did not see, um, the league sent a memo out to all the teams today about the coronavirus, and, and apparently there have been multiple memos going out. Uh, the one today said if things worsen and and get to a certain point that, that these all, all 30 teams need to have contingency plans in place for playing NBA games without fans in attendance, without media, and with, quote, essential personnel only. That means a game happens in the Chesapeake Energy Arena, no fans, no media. I'm assuming essential personnel are coaches, trainers, doctors, refs, scorekeepers. I would be interested to know, are essential personnel uh, color commentators like Michael Cage and Chris Fisher? Are they radio broadcast guys? Are they guys with cameras for Fox Sports Oklahoma? It's going... It, I, God help us all. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I hope the coronavirus get, gets under control and everybody's fine and the league doesn't have to worry about this. I mean, we're already seeing like Italy close professional sports off to fans for the next month. Like that's wild to me, right? And so I really hope it doesn't get to that point. But it kind of makes me think of back when the Thunder used to do summer league in Orlando and fans were not allowed in. It was media and scouts and coaches only. And it was just like a super quiet. It was like pickup run at your local YMCA. Except it's a national basketball game. National Basketball Association game. It's going to be weird. It's going to be very strange. Let's all just hope and pray that it does not come to that point. Uh, that That's that that's exactly what we hope. So, uh, From at Hunter Harjo 7 says, Do you think the Knicks are just one more power forward away from being a top tier team? Uh, yeah, that power forward would be Anthony Davis or Zion Williamson. 
because the Knicks need all the help they can get. Obviously, this is a shot that, at the Knicks for spending like $50 million a season on power forwards right now, which is stupid. Uh, I I don't know what they're doing. I do not know what they're doing. I do not understand it. Like I, I, I honestly feel like a 12-year-old playing 2K can roster build better than what the Knicks are doing right now. R.J. Barrett could be good, though. So at least they got him. They've missed on so many draft picks. It's insane. Like, thank God the Thunder have Sam Presti. Last one from at Britton Powell 2. I know this question is from last game, but what about getting Christian Wood in free agency? Man, so, and if you listen to the, the post-game podcast that I did after the Detroit game that Taylor and I did, uh, we talked a little bit about Chris, about Christian Wood, but that post-game, me and Laz Jackson, he's at Laz Chance on Twitter, uh, he covers the Detroit Pistons. We talked for like an hour about the Thunder and the Pistons, had some great conversations, and we spent like 10 or 15 minutes on Christian Wood and how he's playing this season and what the, what they're getting out of him and what his, his summer looks like. Uh, I don't think Christian Wood would be a guy that Thunder would target in free agency. Christian Wood's going to be 25 before the next season starts. He's played on like five teams in the past four years. He He's bounced around and for a reason. He's playing well right now, yes. Uh, but he, somebody on Detroit has to get points, right? Like, like I've always looked at it like that. They're not going to score 60 points a game. Somebody's going to get baskets. And, and in this case right now, it's Christian Wood. So I don't think the Thunder would go after him. But Christian Wood is playing well. Uh, and shout out to him, right? But just like personally, to bounce around and to keep at it and, and to keep pursuing his dream and then start succeeding now uh, and possibly looking to get himself a contract this summer. Like shout out to that guy, you know, because that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, oh, I just got one last one in, so I'll take this one real quick. From at, oh my goodness, uh, Caffrey the Prodigy. Does Ferguson get an extension? So Ferguson will be extension eligible this summer uh, as as he starts going into his fourth year. I think he can assign, sign an extension uh, starting on July 1st, I think, or once the moratorium lifts, uh, up until October 31st, I believe. That's a, an incredibly fascinating question. Do the Thunders sign him to an extension? Do they let him go to free agency, not really expecting anybody to, to toss an offer sheet to him? Um, do, do they play the risk? The Thunder have typically not risked it. They either sign their players to an extension or they trade them. They typically do not let them get to free agency. So it'll be interesting to see what the Thunder do with Ferguson. At the rate he's going now, I can't see him getting signed for more than like $5 million a season. right? And, and maybe the Thunder, Thunder still have high hopes in him. And getting him at a cheap contract like that and hoping he'll outperform it. Who knows? Uh, but that's a very fascinating question. It's going to be something interesting to follow throughout the summer. So uh, with that being said, uh, thank you guys again for the Twitter questions. Greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you. Um, for my moment of the night, my play of the night tonight, got to give it to Hami. Hami came in. He had a great game. And he had two back-to-back dunks. And those... and and. The first one, I swear to God, he got so high over the rim that he looked down in the hoop when he dunked it. And for him to to play like that, get those minutes, and have a great performance tonight, especially in those two moments, back home in New York, uh, Nick was was talking to me on the phone earlier from Madison Square Garden, said like Homie had like 20 family members, 20 friends and family out at the game tonight. He was talking to him post-game. So... Awesome for Hami. Awesome moment for him. So shout out to Hamadou Diallo. He gets my moment of the night tonight. Uh, 
with that being said, let's get you guys out of here. Hey, thank you so much for checking out the podcast again. You guys know how much I appreciate you. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, We will be back with you Sunday night for our weekly podcast, which will also include our breakdown of OKC versus Boston, which happened earlier Sunday evening, a 5 p.m. Central tip. So make sure you tune in early for that game and then listen to us post game uh, for all of your Thunder needs. We drop a, a podcast after every OKC game, home or away. So make sure to subscribe. Check us out on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I think that's all I got for you guys. Have a great, great weekend. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your Sunday. And we will talk to you again late Sunday night. Until then, Thunder up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.